Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 81, recorded December 18th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, Bosnian Bill's Lock Lab is back. Skyler Town's first public talk in years. Lock picking lawyer actually likes a lock. Toyota requires a subscription to use your fob. Schlage home lock disruption. Vulnerabilities in billions of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips. Three new black belts, new products, and new suppliers. Locksmith story, crazy lock story, criminals, sales giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of this show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Not all services allow me to post full show notes with all of the links, so I keep a full copy of the show notes with all the links at thelocksportscast.com, so you can go there to find those. As of this recording, there's only 13 days left before the Lockie Awards nominations open. Please have your lists ready and try to do all of your nominations in one go. That would be much appreciated. And just a reminder that you will have to create a login in my site. It is only for the purpose of trying to make sure that I get one set of nominations per person. Other than that, they're not used for anything. I have no plans to use them for anything. And I suppose if uh, if anybody wanted or enough people requested, I could delete accounts after the Lucky Award season is over. First up in the news, Toyota is requiring a subscription to use your key fob remote start functionality. This feature requires a subscription even though it doesn't use any connected services. The remote start feature is no different from using the fob to unlock your car. It uses a short-range radio transmitter to send a signal to the car that is encrypted with rolling codes. The car decrypts the signal and performs the requested action, whether it's to lock or unlock the doors, beep the horn, start the engine, whatever the specific feature is nearly all car companies offer some sort of subscription package toyota has one called remote connect the service offers the usual features like letting the owner use an app to remotely lock their doors or if they own a plug-in vehicle to precondition the interior but as some complimentary subscriptions for remote connect come to an end Toyota owners are getting the unexpected surprise that they can no longer use their key fob to remote start their vehicle. Buyers are offered a free trial of Remote Connect, but the length of that trial depends on the audio package that's included with the vehicle. Even more confusingly, only some Toyota models support the Audio Plus or Premium Audio packages that the free trial is offered with. Recently, as 2018 Toyotas have passed their third anniversary, owners have been discovering that the FOB functionality is dependent on maintaining an active Remote Connect subscription. Vehicles equipped with Audio Plus receive a free three-year trial, while premium audio vehicles receive 10 years. Once those subscriptions expire, though, the FOB Remote Start stops working. Toyota didn't change the rules, though that detail was buried in the fine print. When the time comes, Toyota simply cuts off access to one of the functions on the fob already in the owner's possession. To get the feature back, owners have to pay $8 per month or $80 per year. 
But if you own a Toyota built before November 12th, 2018, you won't have to pay, even though the key fob remote start for those vehicles is also tied to Remote Connect. Toyota said it has enhanced those cars so that the owners can use the feature without subscription. Why that particular date? Because that's when Toyota appears to have stopped building cars with 3G chips. Since most telecom providers have sunsetted their 3G technology, owners of older Toyotas will have no way to subscribe to or use Remote Connect services. Since key fob remote start doesn't require an internet connection, Toyota just flipped a switch and gave it to everyone in that group. While this may seem like a nice gesture, it reinforces the fact that there is no technical reason to include RF-powered key fob features in remote service packages. In the past, paywalled features like these are generally limited to luxury car brands. 2018 BMWs, for example, made drivers pay an annual subscription for Apple CarPlay in addition to the $300 charge that was the installation fee. The manufacturer later walked back that decision. And one of the people that sent this in to me was Tiger Trav, who says, I'm envisioning an unsuspecting locksmith getting warranty complaints that supplied Toyota Fob has stopped working without the customer realizing that it's their free trial of that feature that's run out, not that the Fob has stopped working. Definitely something for locksmiths to be aware of. And if you want to know more of the details and a lawyer's opinion, you can check out Steve Lato's channel on YouTube or as an audio podcast. He does both, and I recommend the channel. That's where I first heard about this, as I am a subscriber of his. Always good information if you're interested in a lawyer's point of view on a lot of the issues going on. And in other news, Schlage had problems with their home app being disrupted. Originally posted on December 16th on their Twitter account, they said the Schlage home app is recovering from an outage with our cloud vendor yesterday. Many customers are still experiencing very slow performance. Sorry for the inconvenience. Rest assured we're working on it. In addition, we don't find any security incidents related to it, and Bluetooth and access codes are working and can still lock or unlock your locks. The next day, they said, As of this morning, the disruption with some of our connected locks is resolved for most users. For those still experiencing issues, two steps are recommended. Remove and reinstall the batteries and try again. If that doesn't work, reconnect the lock to the Wi-Fi network and try again. If these don't resolve the issue, please call Schlage Customer Service. And they followed up with Schlage values the millions of homes that trust us with their security and peace of mind. While recent connectivity disruptions were beyond our walls, we know they resulted in frustration for many Schlage users. Rest assured, we remain dedicated to improving your experience every day so that you feel confident in trusting your home to Schlage today and into the future. And unfortunately, this is a problem with any cloud-connected device. All it takes is for the hosting service to have an issue, and if you decided to walk out with just your phone and your app to unlock your door when you got back, you're out of luck. If you don't have at least uh, the Bluetooth functionality hooked up or or a backup key, you're, you're stuck. Anyway, something to think about if you have Wi-Fi locks. And as one person actually pointed out in the replies to that, A lot of these locks are used in either uh, vacation rentals or Airbnbs, that type of thing. And the owners 
that installed the lock might be miles and miles away, maybe even a thousand miles away from the actual home that they are renting out and going all the way back to fix the lock could be an expensive thing. So Wi-Fi locks are convenient until they aren't. And on that same subject, there was a headline called Bugs in Billions of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth Chips Allow Password and Data Theft. So researchers have published paper that proves it is possible to extract passwords and manipulate traffic on a Wi-Fi chip by targeting the device's Bluetooth component. Modern consumer electronic devices feature systems on a chip with separate Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and LTE components, each with its own dedicated security implementation. The resource sharing aims to make them more energy efficient and give them higher throughput and low latency in communications. But as researchers detail in the recently published paper, it is possible to use these shared resources as bridges for launching lateral privilege escalation attacks across wireless chip boundaries. The implications include code execution, memory readout, and denial of service. To exploit the vulnerabilities, researchers first needed to perform code execution on either the Bluetooth or Wi-Fi chip. While that is not very common, remote code execution vulnerabilities affecting Bluetooth and Wi-Fi have been noted in the past. Once the researchers achieved code execution on one chip, they could perform lateral attacks on the device's other chips using shared memory resources. In their paper, the researchers explain how they could, over the air, perform denial of service, code execution, extract network passwords, and read sensitive data from the chipsets from Broadcom, Cypress, and Silicon Labs. Some of the found flaws can only be fixed by new hardware revisions, so firmware updates cannot patch the identified flaws. In other cases, the issues could be fixed with some sort of firmware patch, but the resulting patch would result in severe packet coordination performance drops. Looks like the current research was done primarily on Broadcom, Silicon Labs, and Cypress chips because those are very common and found in billions of electronic devices. All flaws have been reported to the chip vendors, and some of those vendors have released patches where possible. Although many haven't been addressed because they are either no longer supported or it is infeasible because it's a hardware issue that needs to be fixed. They say as of November 2021, more than two years after reporting the first coexistence bug, many coexistence attacks, including code execution, still work on up-to-date Broadcom chips. Again, this highlights how hard these issues are to fix. So just something to be aware of. Another issue if you are thinking about getting a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth-enabled lock. Sometimes they have flaws that just can't be fixed. And I think I've said this before, but my major issue is that unlike mechanical systems, in electronic systems, when an exploit is found, they are quite often very easy to automate in code. And if your system is broadcasting its Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, it might also be easy to detect that there is a vulnerable system by somebody driving down the street. Imagine a thief or a set of thieves casing neighborhoods, scanning the airwaves, looking for known vulnerable door locks, and then noting those houses and staking them out for when the owners aren't home so they can just walk in. 
And in reference to one of my previous episodes about the uh, iPhone lockpicking game app, Shiler Town shared a paper that he came across called Towards Inferring Mechanical Lock Combinations Using Wrist Wearables as a Side Channel. And I'm just going to read the abstract here. It's a nice long paper with a lot of details and a lot of math. Too much for me to go in, but an interesting read if you want to check it out. The abstract says, Wrist wearables such as smartwatches and fitness bands are equipped with a variety of high-precision sensors that support novel, contextual, and activity-based applications. The presence of diverse set of onboard sensors, however, also expose an additional attack surface which, if not adequately protected, could be potentially exploited to leak private user information. In this work, we investigate the feasibility of a new attack that takes advantage of a wrist wearable's motion sensors to infer input on mechanical devices typically used to secure physical access. For example, combination locks. We outline an inference framework that attempts to infer a lock's unlock combination from the wrist motion captured by a smartwatch's gyroscope sensor and uses a probabilistic model to produce a ranked list of likely unlock combinations. We conduct a thorough empirical evaluation of the proposed framework by employing unlocking-related motion data collection from human subject participants in a variety of controlled and realistic settings. Evaluation results from these experiments demonstrate that motion data from wrist wearables can be effectively employed as a side channel to significantly reduce the unlock combination search space of commonly found combination locks, thus compromising the physical security provided by these locks. And of course, as always, link in the show notes if you want to check that out. Moving on to community news. It appears the locklab.com is back online, Bosnian Bill's website. I'm not sure when it was put back online, but it is back. And it appears that currently it is auto-posting embedded videos by other Locksport creators with the video descriptions as the text of the post. So if your videos are being posted over there, and by chance you're not okay with that, you might want to contact Bosnian Bill. But all in all, it's probably good publicity for your channel. And Shiler Town had his first public talk in many years. The talk was a live stream on his YouTube channel called Five Locks. The description says, my first public talk in many years, Five Locks will explore ideas in the history, anthropology, and design of security technology. I watched the video live. Very, very cool. I recommend you go check it out. He also said that he will be updating the description probably Monday to include links to all the subjects he talked about. So definitely worth checking out. And don't forget to welcome him back to the Locksport community. And Zachary Willard has just demonstrated a new bypass for the Supra Indigo window-mounted car key lockbox. This is the type you would see at a dealership where they put the keys in the lockbox on the door and the salesman has a key to the lockboxes. The description of the video says, this is a Supra Indigo window-mounted key lock box from large car lot. In this video, I first use the key to open, then pick the lock open, and lastly show the new bypass method to open. The bypass tool is nothing more than a stainless steel tube with an inside diameter of 6 millimeters and an outside diameter of 8 millimeters. The information is only intended for the practical knowledge and understanding. I have contacted Supra about this flaw in this particular lock, but have not received any follow-up communication. 
and it appears, you know, I'm just trying to to read into what he showed me and what the video shows, and it looks like it's basically an impressioning attack. So go check it out and uh, let uh, him know what you think. Very cool. And then I thought it was newsworthy to say that lockpicking lawyer actually put out a video of a lock he likes, not because it was highly pick resistant, but because of the build quality. The video is entitled the best built deadbolt ever question mark. Easy lock is the brand and it looks like a very nice lock. Very, very well built. Uh, Ball bearings, stainless steel construction for the price they're asking for it. I went, I'll have a link in the show notes because I went and checked, found the, the manufacturer's site and found the price for the price. Looks like a very good quality lock, way better than you get from most manufacturers. Moving on to products. First up, in episode 62, I mentioned a new Locksport book that was going to be coming out, and it looks like that book is now available for pre order. The book is called Locksport. A Hacker's Guide to How Locks Work. As a refresher, I will read the Amazon description for the book here. It says, Locksport is the ultimate guide to lockpicking and the competitive sport of bypassing locking systems. Written by five champion locksporters, this fully illustrated, hands-on introduction to the art of lockpicking will take you from noob to competition ready. You'll learn how locks work and what makes them vulnerable, get a guided tour through the tools of the trade, and follow step-by-step instructions and intricate full-color diagrams to learn to rake, pick, and crack. The book covers not just the art of lockpicking, but impressioning and safe manipulation too. You'll understand the engineering behind various types of locks and the craft of hacking the machinery without damaging it. You'll first learn to pick familiar locks like padlocks and those on your own front door using tools like tension wrenches, hooks, and rakes. Then you'll learn about impressioning, the art of creating a working key from a blank by reading and recreating the subtle marks the lock leaves in the metal. Finally, you'll crack into safe locks by systematically dialing numbers, recording your observations, and repeating your experiments. You'll learn about innovative security techniques for locks like abnormal pin shapes, magnetic parts, and movable components, the best ways to use your tools, how to hold your tension wrench, what to feel for in a lock and when to bother with a vice flashlight or when pen and paper are your strongest weapons and how to find competitions for you and navigate the competition environment. And the authors of the book are listed as Josh Weirs, Matt Burrow, Walter Belgers, B&E A to Z, and Nigel Tully. So a link to the Amazon page, the US Amazon page will be in the show notes. That's the only one that shows up for me. And John Locke sent in a note letting us know that he has created free open models for the Locksport Leashy Cutter Jigs. He says, as far as I know, it's the first of its type to be released openly and freely. There are similar commercial products out there, but he has released four different jigs for four different keyways over the last few days. I will have linked to his Thingiverse account so you can check out his designs and maybe print some out if you want. Pocket Woman sent in a note about a new pick maker from Australia. She says, there is a new lock pick maker that has launched in Australia. They are bare bones lock picking. They manufacture and sell lock picking products for the enthusiast and lock sport community. All picks are made from 301 stainless steel and are full tang through the handle. 
The handles are made from DLP resin and have a protective coating to ensure longevity. They are also sold bare with no handles with the Bare Bones logo and name on the steel. She says this is a new company and it's all about giving the beginning picker a pick set that is not a crappy spring steel set from eBay or Amazon, but a quality set without the price tag of the overseas pick makers. Bare Bones Lock Picking gives lock sporters a pick set that is the bare essentials to get started in the sport. They will not come highly polished and tumbled. They will be bare bones to keep the costs affordable, which gives you a chance to sand down the edges yourself. Pick profiles are the bare bones of what you'll need to get started. Eight of the most used profiles are available in sets of four, eight, or singles in 0.15 or 0.23 thousandths of an inch. Cases are also made from quality materials sourced at the cheapest price. Barebones Lockpicking has sent out across Australia their picks to Aussie testers who will be putting these picks through their paces and doing honest reviews of them. So keep an eye out for these videos. She also says that at the moment to celebrate the launch, Barebones Lockpicking is having a sale across their range of picks. However, I don't see any indications of a sale on their site or any indications that the prices have been reduced. So I don't know if it's over or just hasn't actually started yet. And Pocket Woman is doing a set of reviews on their gear, and the first video is up, and the link will be in the show notes. HV Logic has also done a review and given some unbiased thoughts on his take on the picks, so you can check that out. That link will also be in the show notes, as well as, of course, a link to barebonesLockpicking.com itself. And iFisk sent in a link to a new European lockpick shop called Lock401. Their site says, whether you're a hobbyist, penetration tester, or industry professional, we have dedicated collections built for your needs. All products are available for purchase regardless of your profile. Our hand-built collections allow rapid access to the tools most relevant to your requirements. And that is lock401.com, link in the show notes, of course. IFISC also sent in a note that said that there are new 3D printable lockpicking items available on both Yegi and Thingiverse. So if you haven't taken a look lately, he recommends you head over there and check it out. And I will have links to those in the show notes if you want to head over there. Moving on to the Lockpickers United belts for this week, we have a new purple belt called Pickin' Kitten. Congratulations. And a new red belt, Naswick, has earned red. So congratulations to you. And we have three new black belts. So I'll read all three announcements here. It says, please join me in welcoming Plaz7 to the rank of Black Belt in LPU. He has picked the Asa Twin Pro, the EVA 3KS Plus, the Dom IX Twin Star, and the Matura C43 Plus. For his Black Belt quest, he has created a cutaway lock and demonstrated its functionality pinned up with spools. So congratulations to Plaz7. And the next one says, big congrats to our newest Black Belt, Gardolia. He successfully hit the threshold weeks before his deadline by picking the Icon R10, Abloy Classic, Icon WSW, and 3KS. He also very helpfully documented the opening of his Lagarde 3330 in Excel. So congratulations to Gardolia. And the last one reads, another black belt arrived via Reddit 
Please welcome Steve Dynamics, who picked the ASA Twin Exclusive 5700, Dom IX Twin Star, EVA 4KS, EVA ICS, Urban Alps Stealth Key, and used a custom tip to pick the Abloy Classic. So congratulations to Steve Dynamics. There's one new record noted over at Speedlocks. This was for the TSA 007 by SpaceNot1 in 1.333 seconds. So well done, SpaceNut. Now it's that time. Time to take a quick break. Say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the Patreon subscribers. We have PandaFrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starrylock, Williams Brain, Dave 2 bd Deciphered, Lebon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, Real Tater, JHP Picking. Chief content producer for this episode is again going to be I Fisk. Thank you for all that great content you sent in. The other content producers are Beanie A to Z, Cherell, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Crack Jeans, Dark Arts Lock Picking, Evil Arch Conservative, Gray Hasroot, Gumby, Jeff and Things, Jeff Moss, John Locke, Joshua Gonzalez, Keyless Entry, Michael Gilchrist, Panda Frog, Paracentric, Pocket Woman, Rubber Band, Schreiler Town, Starrylock, Tiger Trav, Tony Vrelli, and Zachary Willard. Thank you to all of you. A big turnout this week. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it really, really does help keep this show going when so many people help to contribute. And please don't uh, don't think because other people are starting to contribute, don't, you don't need to. Usually after there's a big turnout like this, the next week is really thin. So please keep up the information. And I really, really, really can't thank you enough because this show is only possible because of the information and support from the community. So if you are getting value out of this podcast, just remember to keep sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you come across that's Locksport related that you think the community will either benefit from knowing or just get a kick out of, send it in to the locksportscast.com. You can send it to podcast at the locksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed at the locksportscast.com slash support or in the show notes. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. You can also leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey. It always helps if you subscribe to the podcast and or the YouTube channel or Odyssey channel. If you want to help financially, you are welcome to donate via PayPal or uh, subscribe on Patreon. It's absolutely not necessary, but it is always appreciated. Patrons do get a private RSS feed for their podcast player that gives them early access to the audio version about a day. That's generally the only benefit I give them, but I did give them early access to a little video I posted up on Charles Builds Crap this week, which was a project that I have been working on for several months. Just a little teaser. It's not in depth, but let you know what I've been doing with what little free time I can spare. If you do support the show with either a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes. Quick reminder, I am still looking for any Locksport-related stories. If you have a story of your journey through Locksport or something that happened to you because you're in Locksport or a crazy Locksmith story if you're a Locksmith, anything you have that you think the community might enjoy hearing, you feel free to send it in. Same methods as I mentioned earlier. If you want to give feedback about something I said on the show or something I've done on the show, you can send that in to all the contact methods listed earlier as well. That feedback can either be kept confidential or I can share it on the show. That's up to you. If you want to share it on the show, 
You can submit either a note, video, or audio recording, and just remember to keep it reasonable length, polite, working family safe, no politics, and no drama. And for our locksmith story this week, we have an article called The Safest Place to Keep Money in Plymouth. Uh, it was posted on Stuff by Andrew Owen on December 13th. It shows a picture of a locksmith trying to open the door on a security van. It says the security van was definitely secure in New Plymouth on Monday morning with a locksmith brought in to open the door. The van was parked outside a business about 10 a.m. with the engine running. Eyewitness with a phone camera said two guards were outside as the locksmith worked. It took him about a half hour to open the door using specialist tools. Evidently, the security professionals managed to lock themselves outside of the van with the engine running. And ultimately, the stuff stays secure because they remembered to lock the door. They just forgot their keys. And I'm sure they were watching the locksmith carefully to make sure that uh, he only unlocked the door and didn't do anything else before they got in. For our crazy locksmith story, we have an article. I'm going to change the wording slightly on this to keep this a little more family safe. But the story was somehow another Bangkok man required assistance removing a padlock from his junk. This was posted in Boing Boing by Jason Weisberger. And the article says, locking up your junk seems to be a new Bangkok thing. Unlike the last report of a man inexplicably locking his manhood in a padlock back in July, few details were released about this incident of what is hopefully not a growing trend in Thailand. Many more details were released in the last incident, including the fact that the man had spent more than 14 days trying to remove the padlock himself after losing the key before his member became infected and unbearably painful, and that his mother made it clear that he was very single and enjoyed putting his thing through small holes, apparently. Authorities in the previous incident in July had made details of the story public, stating that they hoped it would prevent others from doing the same kind of thing with a padlock or similar. But unfortunately, at least one man in Bangkok did not receive the vital warning for safety of his junk. I I don't get the appeal, personally, but I guess to each his own. Moving on to criminal news. First up, a TikToker says her apartment was stolen. Thieves changing the locks. Her video was posted on TikTok and it was covered by the Daily Dot, written by Stacy Fernandez. So strangers apparently moved into her apartment and locked her out. Apparently, from what I can gather, this uh, TikToker has more than one apartment or house or something. When she came back to her apartment here, she found that somebody had moved in and locked her out. She's quoted as saying, someone moved into our house while we were gone, changed our locks, packed all of our stuff and sold some of it and tried to redecorate. Evidently, things started about two weeks prior when she went by the apartment to grab their Christmas tree from the balcony storage unit. She could see the storage unit was open and some boxes were moved, she said, but she left it alone in the meantime, assuming that her son's father had been inside or maybe maintenance was there. Her son's father reportedly let her know that he hadn't messed with the storage unit or been in the house. He ended up going by to try and check on the property and noticed there was tape on the front door deadbolt. Suspicious, he allegedly called the neighbors to check to see if they'd seen any people coming and going from the apartment or anything else going on. Neighbors said everything seemed normal. Trash would get put outside the door for the trash service to be picked up. She said she could hear 
a couple arguing next door, but assumed it was Rice and her son's father. When Rice went back to the apartment, there was a shiny new deadbolt on the door. The apartment managers were just as confused as the pair and confirmed with maintenance that no one on their team had entered. Rice called the police. Rice filmed the police making entry into the apartment and arresting the people inside. That was posted on TikTok and got her, at this point, 3.6 million views. The video shows a sparse, disheveled apartment with loads of black bags and trash bunched together in the corner of the room. There was also looked like a bed made in the center of the main room uh, with a coffee cup on an end table right there. And what appeared to be Christmas decorations put up. Whoever was staying there had decorated for Christmas. The video also shows that the pair had a gun and a knife set out. Rice says it looks like they were ready to fight about the apartment. She said they cleared out the majority of her closet. There were barely any clothes, purses, or shoes left. She says they even cleared out her son's belongings and apparently stole her clothes dryer. So not the first time that we have heard of somebody trying to move into a place that was either not currently occupied or between occupants and changing locks to try and take it over. Doesn't seem like an effective strategy to me. Second story is woman disables sensors to steal $300,000 in Gucci or, and other luxury goods from the News and Observer written by Don Sweeney. He reports that a California woman has been accused of stealing more than $300,000 in products from stores for resale online, according to authorities. The 38-year-old Costa Mesa woman was arrested last week on the charge of grand theft. They say she used a tool to disable security sensors on merchandise at the stores before walking out with the products. Investigators with the Organized Retail Crime Task Force of the California Highway Patrol Border Division found stolen goods from Gucci, Prada, Ramey, Brooke, Dodo Bar, and Jimmy Cho at the woman's home. They also saw her steal $3,500 in merchandise from a Nordstrom rack store in Costa Mesa by putting a coat over her shopping cart and removing security sensors. They claim the woman resold the goods at online marketplaces, and they say they found 2,333 stolen items worth $328,683 packed into every room of her house. Most still had store tags and deactivated security sensors, and the investigation is ongoing, according to California Highway Patrol. I know it's not technically lock-picking related, but uh, she did find a way to disable the security sensors, so it is physically, it is physical security related, and actually I think Dark Arts Lock-Picking just was putting up this morning a video about security sensors and removing those, so if I have time, I'll try to remember to put a link to that video in the show notes when I'm done here. Moving on to sales. Hooligan Keys, 15% off the code MAKE2020BETTER, and that is good through July 22nd at hooligankeys.com. Peterson Locksmith Tools, you can get 15% off with a purchase of $50 or more with the code JulietKilo4Papa26Zulu1675. And that expires December 20th, so about the day this comes out. So if you're 
on it right away, you can still get a discount at thinkpeterson.com. They might still have some of their hydrometer rubber handled picks on closeout if you get there soon enough. I don't know if they still do. I didn't bother to check that part. South Ord annual Christmas sale is good through the 21st of December. So, so that ends very shortly after this episode comes out. And that is 25% discount with the code SANTA25. Dark Arts Lock Picking has 20% off with the code GRINCHMAS21. That expires on the 31st of December at dlp.com.au. As of this morning, the discount code Happy Holidays for 11% off at Red Team Tools was still working when I tested it. And keydecoder.eu has discounted prices on their website through the end of 2021, if you want to check that out. Master Lock Surplus Sale is still going on, with some stuff up to 50% off. Matt's Lock Pit still appears to have items on sale at mattslockpit.com, so you can head over there and check those out for custom-made picks. 3dlocksport.com, 10% off with the code LSCAST10. Mako Locks, 15% off with the code BYMAKO. UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT. Giveaways are the same as last week. Lockmania's Christmas giveaway is running. Lots of videos he does for Christmas, so head over there and check those out. PandaFrog is still doing the giveaway that he is running along with the Speedlocks Locko Month for December. So you can head over to the link in the show notes or just head over to his channel or Speedlocks to find out more. CLK Supplies has their weekly hashtag LockBoss giveaway. Lots of good supplies being given away by them. They are a locksmith supplier, so they have lots of great stuff to give out as prizes. So you might want to check it out if you're into winning stuff. And remember, the show needs your support, so send me any information you have that's Locksport related. doesn't matter how big or how small. If you don't think it's important, just send it in anyway. I will sort through what fits, what doesn't, and fill out as I have time. And I might save it for a later episode if I don't use it right away. So just because you sent it and I haven't used it yet does not mean that I'm not going to. Sometimes I try to fit them in where they fit with other stories. So just remember, keep sending in information and keep it legal. (laughs) 